You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Thursday, the 15th of June, and we are going to be having our E3 episode. This is actually, hell, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but this is probably the first one that Joe or that uh, Vince has to miss. Yeah, I can't I even remember. The first one he's had to miss. Yeah. Thanks, Allie. <laughs> By the time she hears this, she'll feel better. So it'll be okay. Allie, I want to note that I'm not discouraging you. Please don't kill me. <laughs> so. Who you hear in the background there, I uh, pitched the idea to Belgast if he would like to come and join us to pinch hit for Vince. And I we've been talking a lot back and forth on Twitter as E3 was going on. You had a level of enthusiasm that I respected and that I wanted to bring here as well. And so it's great to have you on the show. Welcome aboard. Well, thank you. It's good to uh, fill in on uh, the show. I am not Vince. <laughs> It, definitely not. No, you will well, bring mean, so much more. Really yeah. Yeah. So before we get into each of the pressers as a whole, I'm assuming, of course, you've been keeping up with E3 since forever. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, it's, so. As, it's kind of like a holiday for me. <laughs> okay. So as a whole, what did you think of this year? It's really mixed emotions. Um, I was super hyped going into it, and there were certain things that I was pumped about, but overall it kind of felt like a little bit of a letdown year. Okay. Joe. See, and that's kind of where I may be a little bit weird. I actually enjoyed this year more than last year or the year prior. Um, really? Because maybe you didn't initially were just, yeah, you know, it was lackluster as far as like, there weren't any huge like bombs or anything like that. And and I talk about this before. We, we just have too many gaming things at this point in a year for there to be these big bomb moments at anywhere anymore because it just sort of organically springs up into the, the ecosystem of gaming. But, like, the quality of the content, um, at least from what they announced, and, and the stuff was better for me this year than it has been in the last couple of years. I was in the same boat as you initially were in. It really didn't start off strong. In fact, the EA's presser was horrible. Oh, God, yeah. And oh, yeah. Microsoft's was not doing that much better, let's be honest. But then it really kind of picked up. And so we got to see a lot of other things that that were fun and that did look some of it original and some of it just stuff that we'd been waiting for a hell of a long time also. So it kind of picked up for me as well. I don't think it I, I, I still didn't think it was that great, but there were certainly moments that that really Gave us oh, yeah. something to look forward to, put it that way. Well, I mean, well, I had my happiest moment of a gaming thing, which I'll talk about later, but I was actually, like, supremely surprised and genuinely happy about something this year, which has not happened in a long time. And part of that is, because I know what you're talking about, and we're going to really dive into that a lot. Got a ton of things to say about that game. What I found, which is, again, going back to my original statement of the, the it was almost as if the the really cool stuff was peppered in 
it's almost always like that. You forget because you're so hyped about the big announcements and whatnot. But even they must realize as they're making these big announcements, they're going to be done in by a crying dev who made a Yarny game, you know, uh, and all these other, just those moments that shine in an E3 that you're not expecting. And that all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. And so that's what I found with this one as well, too. The big announcements for the Scorpio and the big announcements elsewhere really, eh, we already it's saw the Scorpio, that coming. It's the Xbox oh, One X. That shit. Super Extreme Mega Extreme Edition. It yeah. will remain Scorpio for me. Thank you very much. Okay, Microsoft let's... has a, a storied tradition of not being able to name things well. I mean, fuck, tell me about it. Or, or realize that people don't care. That was the deadest I've seen a crowd ever. <sighs> yeah. And I think for me, like, my the lackluster nature isn't necessarily what was shown, but the fact that two weeks prior to the show, on Reddit, there were leaked schedules, and they pretty much matched up blow for blow for what we actually saw. So I guess it was a little bit of a letdown that there wasn't much shock there. Right. I didn't look at those, so didn't know. Okay, let's start with EAs because, again, it was the first one right out of the gate. And they're starting them earlier, too. Like, you're getting some mm-hmm. of these pressers on the weekend, and then the majority of the actual E3 is taken up just with interviews and people on the floor and whatnot. So of course we had the sports ball, which none of us care to talk about. So it doesn't really (laughs) matter. Whatever need for speed payback. Once again, it showed us more of what, if you like that kind of thing, if you like the fast and furious, then this game is probably just, it was made for you. I personally am really looking forward to playing it, but I understand that most people won't. So whatever. The, the I don't want to yell at you for saying nobody cares about sports, but I was actually really excited about FIFA 18. Are you really? <laughs> you're not serious. I am. FIFA is a game, it's, okay, it's a game you, in this house, man. Forgive really. me because we really never talk about sports ball. And whenever we talk about the sports coming up in EA Oppressors, we all kind of agree and groan. Well, so the the interesting thing for me this year with sports was not necessarily that they've got the same games they have every year. It's the fact that each and every one of them had a really deep, in-depth role-playing mode. Yes. And they're basically, like, selling role-playing to sports fans, and it's putting the the fantasy back in fantasy sports. So, Oh, yeah, I I was going to say that, too, because that was one of the things I talked about with a bunch of my buddies uh, in in real life about this stuff is – I always make the joke that, you know, fantasy sports is just D&D for sports fans. Like, that's all it is. Absolutely. And and now they're they're finally like it looks like companies like EA particular is embracing that. Like they finally have this realization of fuck it. This is what it is. Let's just run towards it headstrong. And they are. And that's actually really exciting. Yeah. And they've got they've got you know, antagonists and they've got heroes and they've got like this whole hero's journey story playing out through sports. And I found that really interesting and and awesome. I'm sure they're going to do well with it. It's not really for me, but like, I'm sure they're going to do well. FIFA 2020, they're going to get Bioware to help them code it more. And partway through the (laughs) RPG elements, you're going to like have to sex up an alien, (laughs) go save a universe, and then come back in time for the game. It's not actually like an alien. It's just like, you know, a Mexican soccer player. (laughs) And then in the middle of the World Cup, the Reapers are going to come down. (laughs) Exactly. There. Except they're not actually aliens. They're an expansion team from Europe. (laughs) 
All right. So, all right. Did you have anything else then to add, Joe? No, I was just I was really excited about that also because um, manager mode games were a thing that kind of flew under the radar for the last couple of years, but have been ex- exceptionally successful on PC. And it looks like EA paid attention to that as well. Uh, so there's elements of the manager game aspects also thrown in where uh, you can actually sort of, again, that fantasy mode aspect of it where if you want to, you don't necessarily have to play the individual games. You're making the calls, who the healthy scratches are, who the, who you're trading, what you're doing as far as your training regiment and stuff like that, which uh, it's going to sound goofy, but I loved Football Manager, um, not American football, like rest of the yeah. world football yeah. manager. Um, and and they're they're latching on to stuff like that, which is which is a good addition to a base game like this. And all of their genres seem to be in, uh, taking that on a little bit. So it's it's also kind of a cool thing for bridging that gap for maybe players that like the sport but don't necessarily want to sit there and play each individual match and just sort of like the larger view of it. It's sort of broadening or attempting to broaden their audience, which I think is interesting. Okay. Let's move on. The nice surprise that I found for this, and pr- pretty much the only one for me, was a way out from the oh, yeah. makers of Brothers. And I had heard nothing about this, actually. So I don't know if it just was well hidden or if I've just been lazy and not catching up with enough news lately. But it's these two guys that are breaking out of a prison and they have to work together. Well, one kind of tells them, listen, I'm coming whether you like it or not, essentially, by the sound of it. But then it's essentially the same kind of co-op play that was in Brothers of working together to accomplish the same goals. And they took mm-hmm. it to the next level here where they were talking to the devs as well and showing how like you can be in one of them. One of the characters can be in a a cutscene, whereas the other one is still walking around and seeing yep. the other character. Like there's a lot of advanced stuff in it. That's going to make co-op, whether it's couch co-op or online multiplayer, well, not multiplayer, but online play with a friend really interesting. And the well, story also really, I'm, I want to play this story. Well, there's only co-op too. There is no solo version of this game. So you have to play with somebody else. What I thought was interesting is no matter what you play, whether it's online or couch, it is always in split screen because you will always see what the other person is doing. Because as you're planning your, your, for lack of a better term, heist moves, you need to be able to time or see what the other player is doing in order to make your stuff work. So you can have, they showed off some interesting stuff uh, throughout the conference where you like have somebody set up like uh, a lookout and you can actually take a look through their eyes more or less. It's the third, it's the third person perspective, but you can take a look at what they're seeing to sort of get that timing to do what you need to do. And it, it works really, really well. And then the concept of if you fuck up your friend or, you know, whoever you're playing with can see that you fucked up without you having to say, Oh God, I fucked up. Or, you know, maybe you don't see the ramifications for that guard you just bashed over the head or something like that. But maybe there's a guard down the hall that heard it or whatever the case is. He can react to that because he knows what happened. And it's really, really cool to see that level of coordinated play in this type of game. And yeah. it looks, and we, we say this a lot, it looks like a cinematic quality type of game. And I'm all about that great escape feel. 
Well, I think the most interesting thing to me was the fact that there really was no one golden path that to any one of these puzzles, there are a lot of different solutions that they yeah. show where they'd like show three attempts at it. And each time they did something slightly different and, and they all kind of worked based on the, the coordination of the two actions. So you could like either have people pick a fight and then that would be a distraction. Um, and I think, I think that's really interesting. Um, the only downer for me is like, I don't have a built in player too. So I'm going to have to like coordinate to play this game. Yeah, that's that's true. I I'm lucky because I saw this and I immediately thought of my son because I, I still game with my youngest son whenever there's a game like this or something that we can coach co-op together, then I, I'll pick it up so we can do that. And this I saw this and like he's 20 years old. He's not a kid anymore. So a, a prison movie, not that there's going to be anything inappropriate in it, but whatever. It'll be fun to do this break out of a prison together kind of thing. And and I, I again, I it was especially the scene with them going up the wall back to back. And I'm going, yeah. if we're talking that level of escapism kind of stuff, then, yeah, this is I'll, I'll be picking this up pretty damn early to play with them. And then the other big surprise, of course, was Bioware's new IP, the, the reveal. And it's, <laughs> immediately they start talking, and it sounds, I know they're trying to sound epic. It's Bioware. They're trying to sound epic. And all I'm hearing in my head is Attack on Titan and yeah. and, and, and Titanfall. <laughs> and I'm going, I really want to love you here, but you're not making it easy. Well, and the suits kind of reminded me of Pacific Rim a little yes, bit as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where when I heard about it initially and I saw the, the footage and all that, which, again, it looks bloody good. And if they're using the same mechanics that they are using for uh, Mass Effect and, and the especially the Mass Effect uh, multiplayer stuff and whatnot, then we know that combat. It, it works. It's fine. And it wasn't until I heard later on that, because I was worried about story-wise, because I'm thinking, I don't know. But uh, Drew, Drew Karpishin, who worked on Mass Effect 1 and 2, he wrote Couture. the novels. He wrote on the um, uh, Knights of the Eternal Throne. He was pretty much the main writer. And then he did the Jedi Knight class. So, like... As soon as I heard that he's working on Anthem, that's when I kind of went, oh, okay. And it's yeah, I'm funny way how, more interested now. Yeah, it's funny how one fucking person can make such a, a huge difference in what you're expecting. If they said for the next Dragon Age, they somehow managed to entice G David Gator back, I'm there. I'm sold. I'll pre-order the fucking thing. <laughs> Well, and, and it's because a narrative matters, especially yes. in games like this, because there are so many games like this. There are so many squad based shooters out there that you get lost in a sea of them if you don't have something that sets it apart. Yeah. And one thing that most of them don't have is, well, story like there are so many like mage wars and. Uh, various prop hunts that are out there because there's tons of clones of that and stuff like that. Those are essentially the same thing. Like they're squad based shooters, just PvP style instead, with no substance. So having something that says, "Hey, remember those awesome games that everybody loved?" Not, not the third one, the first two, the ones that everybody seems to really love. Yeah, we got him to do stuff. It's awesome. And it's like, okay, well, if there's actually going to be something story wise to it, I that. That made me not disregard it completely. 
and that was my first look at it was I don't need another squad based combat. And then they said that, and I'm like, okay, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, I have to admit, go ahead. Like, while watching the trailer, I had a lot of shell shock because it reminded me so much of the original Division reveal. The same right? kind of yes. scripted back and forth, the fake t- team chat. I'm like, no, we've been there and done that before, and it's already let me down. It's so damn off-putting right off the bat, too, because of that. Yeah. What's funny is that, and I mentioned this on Twitter, too, every time I saw footage, it just made me want Destiny 2 more. That's Exactly. So it was like, yeah, this looks really good, and yeah, it's Bioware, and I still like Bioware a lot, but it's like, I'll just play Destiny 2. I know that's going to be fucking awesome. So, But then hearing about Drew being on it, that's when I was, because I loved Knights of the, the Eternal Throne. So, And I liked the work that he did on the, the prior two Mass Effect games. I mean, Mass Effect 2 is one of the best fucking games there is. So then, yeah, I'm all right with, with playing Anthem now. I, in fact, I'm looking forward to it, which is which is not how I felt initially either. Moving on, then we got, of course, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which seems early for a sequel already on that one. Although, just mentioned Destiny, so I guess not. No, I mean, honestly, with the way that the first one went, like, it wasn't a terrible game, but there were a lot of missteps when they relaunched that brand. And so announcing a second one makes sense where they go, here is a second one. By the way, we know we fucked up. We are going to do better now. Okay, thank you. Like that was oddly reassuring. Yeah, I've been playing the, the the original with with Tristan as well, and but not all the time. But I mean, we played it enough. That game is a little. Some of the maps are just, as I said, a hot fucking mess, and it's like this is not fun in the least. And then some of the other ones are way too easy. And then you're like, well, this is boring as shit. And it's the same if you're going up against AI versus people. So it's really odd. And then the same thing with the weapons. I, it's it's a game that I find very, very hard to get into. And yet what you're seeing here is a lot more RPG elements thrown in, like the different classes and things like that. And how they're dealing with how what content they're going to put in and how it's going to impact story and things like that. So... We're seeing a lot of things here that they're talking about too, where it's kind of like Destiny 2. Like, we know how to build a good shooter. Now we're going to throw in as much story as we can for you guys as well. The one thing that I really hope that they fix in Battlefront 2 is the heroes. When when you kind of got thrown into a hero, they all controlled so vastly different, and you're scrambling trying to figure out how to play it and also stay alive at the same time. So they really needed some kind of a hero tryout mode where you load up a map and you run around as Han Solo or you run around as Boba Fett so you can figure out what their attacks do and and how to actually make the most of that hero instead of just having it thrust upon you in the middle of a match. Damn good point. Yeah. Okay, Joe, anything to say about Star Wars? Just I want it. Like I, I <laughs> really literally have I, I have the Darth Vader PS4 for a reason. Like it's it's on it's I love Battlefront way back in the day. I love the re I, I actually enjoyed the relaunch of it. Okay. I'm gonna buy it. Cool. All right, let's move on to the Microsoft Presser, which of course they talked about the Scorpio, which is gonna be coming out in November. 
So, listeners, please don't take shots every time 4K is mentioned. I don't want you to die, okay? <laughs> okay? That's, yeah, alcohol poisoning there every time they said either exclusive or launch exclusive or 4K. World premiere. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's the Xbox One, the Xbox One S, and now the Xbox One X. Although the... I guess now the one is pretty much phased out unless there's still some in stores somewhere, but it's mainly just the S or the X you're getting now. Yeah. And very Mac. little reason to buy an X unless you feel like spending a lot more money. I And that, that's the thing, the $500 for a new system. And like we, and we, we bitched about this before. I'm sorry, game industry, stop treating it like fucking cell phones. You don't need one every fucking year. And especially not at $500. That's stupid. Well, and the other day someone brought up a great point of for that $500 price tag, you can get a PS4 and an S and have both platforms. Yeah. $500 is batshit oh, yeah. crazy. Absolutely yeah, what am I, stupid. What and that's I, the U.S. price. I'd be yes. looking at it a lot more than that. Well, and I thought it was funny that you should mention that, Bells, because I, I was talking with one of, my, one of my employees this morning, um, and he, he looked at me, and he's like, why would I spend $500 on a new Xbox? I could buy, like, a Switch and a PS4 and games and stuff. Like, he's like, I could buy so much more for $500. Why do I need a new Xbox? And I just looked at him like, yeah, yeah. That, you, yeah. you made the point. Yeah, and so... Again, if you don't have an Xbox yet, if you have a very nice 4K TV, and if you have disposable income at the ready, sure, buy it. You will likely notice a difference for some games, though that's going to be problematic for a while because most devs, while they still want and crave that extra memory and processing power, are still going to be trying to appease the lowest common denominator to sell as many of their games as possible. So that means they're going to be coding a lot for just the S. So it's kind of going to be wasted on you. So I don't think the X is worth picking up literally for a few years. I wouldn't bother. I'm confident in the one that I have, and it's not even a one S. So moving on, we got a bunch of announcements there as well. Too much Sea of Thieves as far as I'm concerned. I We're really banking on that. <laughs> we really, we've talked a lot about it in prior episodes and we're really looking forward to it. We genuinely are. Although we might have jumped the pirate ship for another one. We'll get into that later. But yeah. it, it looks fantastic and we do want to play it. But man, it was just every time I looked, they were talking about Sea of Thieves. So... Let's not waste too much time on that now. Were you interested, were either of you interested in Crackdown 3 when they first announced it? Bell? Not really. Oh, I, I, I've never played Crackdown in any form. So it's it's a whole new thing to me. And I don't know, like, they didn't sell me on it with this this uh, E3. I, like it, it looks interesting, but not remarkably so. What's funny is that they had me more sold before because when they initially announced it, announced it, it didn't look like that. 
there was none of this pseudo cell shading bullshit that they had to do just to be able to work off the cloud for it, which I'm assuming is why they did it. There's no other reason because the other trailers that they showed and presumably gameplay footage, which clearly it wasn't. Well, it might have been and they changed it later, but it looked way different. And the art style looked phenomenal before. Absolutely fantastic. I thought I remembered that as well. Like it, it looked significantly worse than they showed it off oh, this time God. than I remembered it. It looked horrible. And and it's not that we don't like that cell shaded look because there's some games like Borderlands that do it spectacularly well. But this ain't it. And I did not like the look of it one bit. And so like yeah, it still looks like the same fun game. They added a few new elements, but once again, I'll play Destiny Two instead. So <laughs> So that was that. Um, we had talked a couple of episodes back as one of the ones, Joe, that you weren't uh, there for. I was talking to Vince and we were chatting about Life is Strange because they had mm-hmm. already talked about the sequel that they were working on. But then the news had come out about the prequel. And I was saying how much I was looking forward to both of those. But Vince was like, nah, I'm all right with where the story ended and how it went. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So when they announced this prequel, I was like, I want this now. This looks phenomenal because we get all of the stuff with mm-hmm. Chloe and Rachel. Except now Chloe is not going to be the original voice actress. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I do to due to the strike. They hired a different person and she, she advised on the project, but they hired somebody else to do the voice, which to me is I can I can see both sides of the coin. But she even flat out said she, Chloe was a character that was dear to her because of her story. So I, I feel like that's going to cheapen it a little bit for me. Damn. That's a, well, not as bad as something else that we'll get to later. But yeah, man. All right. Well, regardless, story wise, I am looking forward to it. And, and it's it's one of those things where it. I may play the original after I'm done the prequel just to get that full feel of how much of an impact losing Rachel was. Because by that point, you've then played either as her or I can't, I don't know which one you play as. But uh, but yeah, so it's going to be a lot more impactful than going into the, the sequel. So I'm looking forward to it. We got some Forza news, which meh, whatever. Hell, I, again, I'm the fucking race guy, and I was looking at that going, oh, it was boring. So, yeah, I don't care. It's like Need for Speed on the EA one when they were showing the car. I'm going, are you fucking serious? If I want to watch Top Gear, I've got them queued up in my DVR. I don't need this. The Ori game looked phenomenal. Oh, Holy my God. Shit. It, it's it, 12 sads out of 10 already. <laughs> Did you play the other one? Yeah, I did. And man, that game, like just the first level of the original game is a sucker punch to the feels. And this looks like it's just continuing that on with the the sad little owl family. Well, when he's looking at the feather at the end, you're going, oh, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More on Anthem and then Dragon Ball fighter game. Joe. (laughs) I'm actually kind I of excited about excited that one. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm going, are we, Vince isn't here. Are we going to be able to get through this without talking about the fucking fighting game? Apparently not. No, I, well, yeah, I'm sorry. I like fighting games. I like Dragon Ball, and I think this is going to be hysterical and great. 
I'm kind of all about this. Like, it's one of those things where I've been playing Xenoverse a lot lately. And uh, give me a 2D fighter with Dragon Ball characters and I'm, I'm sold. That's that's exactly what it is. No more, no less. It's all I need. Bill, did you give a rat's ass when you saw that? No, I was never a big Dragon Ball fan. Yeah, same. <laughs> which is which is probably blasphemy to admit, but like, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's okay. I, I, I played the original, a ROM of the Super Nintendo Dragon Ball game uh, that was a fighter as well, and it was kind of fun back in the day. Well, um, was Dragon Ball yeah. after your time, though? No, no, I. I don't know how old you are, I'm, and I'm I, not trying I, to pry. I turned, I turned 41 Sunday, so <laughs> Dragon Ball is not after my time. Um, it, I mean, it, it, well, yeah, I it would have been after. It, it wasn't before your time; it was after. Like Dragon Ball wasn't when well, you were a kid, to some extent. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Ball was an 80s thing, and then it got. It, yep. it took a while to make it over here, but like I remember Dragon Ball existing, um, and I mostly watched it like high school era. See, I, when I was in high school and that was on, it was like I, I could give a rat's ass about it. I really didn't care. So that's why I, the Dragon Ball stuff does nothing. See, Dragon Ball was more our eldest son was way into fucking Dragon Ball. Love that shit. And we would have to put some cartoons on for him with that. But it was never something that we would go, oh, this is awesome. This story is phenomenal. <laughs> that I mean, never I'm highly happened. susceptible to, to anime <laughs> shows. Like, I, I've watched most of Bleach. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, it just for whatever reason, Dragon Ball didn't do it for me. All right. Next up, uh, the one that I wanted to love so much. Uh, last night or the last night. This looks phenomenal. This looks awesome. The story sounds great, interesting, yeah. and I love the art style. Why does the creator have to be such a fucking asshole? Because <laughs> I yeah. was excited about this. I saw it the first time during the reveal. I was like, this is fucking amazing. And then I saw the stuff later on. I'm going, Jesus, look at this game. And then I had to read about the misogynistic comments he made and supporting Gamergate and you're going like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Because nobody that supports Gamergate is getting a fucking penny off of me no matter how you try to spin it. So, like, now he's a quote-unquote apologizing and whatnot, but that's because he's got a game and he's trying to sell it because he sure as shit hasn't apologized about it since. So, thinking publisher knocked on his door and said, guess what, buddy? It's time for you to apologize for the stupid shit you said so that we can actually sell some of these games. So, right. And, yeah. and the apologies didn't start until after the, the, it the was post up. reveal buzz brought up the fact of who he was. I'm just mad that it looks like it's something that's 100% my aesthetic and I'm never going to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. So really just, all I have to say about it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, next, there was the Artful Escape. That looks amazing. <laughs> Go ahead. Then. So, like, so this is where I got a tweet from Allie of, oh, my God, this is such a Joe game. <laughs> because it's that very that that artistic style is very much something I absolutely adore. Uh, I love platforming, puzzle solving, and it looks like that's exactly what this is going to be. And it revolves around music. It couldn't get very much more. Hey, 
Joe, this is made specifically for you. Give us your fucking money because they're going to get my fucking money. I, I think the moment that he started playing the guitar was the moment that it was like, okay, we all know now. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, it, it looked like utter nonsense, but it looked like really fun and hilarious utter nonsense. So sure. And it's like it's got the 80s neon vibe to it, too. And like when he hit the like the power chords, he's just like jumping over like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm Game, good. Games are supposed to be fun. That yep. looked fun. Definitely. Exactly. Uh, they're bringing uh, Black Desert Online to to the I don't know if it's going to be on the S or only the X. I would presume both of them, but who knows? They yeah. mentioned at the beginning of the conference that all of the games on the X will be backwards compatible with all the other systems. So, okay. Um, I don't play BDO. Bell, do you play it? I think you do, don't you? No, no I have. Okay. I, I, I beta tested it. Um, but my key problem and the reason why I won't give them any money is I hate the fact that they have gender locked classes. That drives me insane. And uh, I mean, there's some parody amongst the classes, but still just the fact that they they made that decision to keep going with that, because there was some talk in the localization that they might shed gender lock classes for the North American release. And they didn't go down that path. So I actually have never played it. I didn't even play beta. So I saw enough videos of it to kind of go "Eh, pretty generic. Not really that interested, though, man. A lot of people in our feed are fucking nuts over that game. Oh, yeah. Well, now, I mean, they, the, it, it's, it's very, very much, pretty. It's very pretty, yes. and you can make your characters look however you want, and they have interesting outfits, and the real end game to any MMO is interesting outfits. When you say so, gender-specific um, classes... Like black mages can no, only no, be women. I get that, but or, did yeah, they exactly. at least make it so that it's not like misogynistic bullshit where only frail, weaker classes that are magic ones can be women? Or do they have no, like warriors no, that are women as well? Like like Dark Knight is the the plate-wearing dark magic wielder, and that's a female-only class. Okay. And then you know, Berserker is a male-only class. And I just I, – I don't like the concept of gender lock classes. That was a big problem I had with Davillion. Yeah. So it's just it's just something that gets under my skin. It's a pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, let's move on. Then they made the announcement for the next Assassin's Creed game, Origins. Joe, I'm trying to remember. Joe, did you say you were excited for this one? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I, yeah. I'm actually legitimately excited for this. Okay. Why don't you take this? So this is the first time in a long time I've been excited for an Assassin's Creed game. We finally had a, a, a last year where they kind of took the year off they didn't release one and now we're starting to see things about this new one which goes back to the origin of the assassin's order and i'm okay with this for a couple different reasons one there was no animus anything in this trailer like this is something that i noticed because every other game that they've ever showed there's been these things where like there's been tears in the animus and you sort of kind of see that you're not in actual reality and things like that here. None of that, at least not from what we've seen so far. Don't know if it's the case. I hope it's the case. I don't really care about the animus shit anymore. Well, you wouldn't need it if that was the origins. You shouldn't need it. Exactly. Through the origins. Now, but here's the thing. When they did syndicate, there was no animus stuff either. So it was just the story of Syndicate, and it's a, a one of the probably one of the better Assassin's Creed games that n- not a whole lot of people played, which is sad. The other thing that I thought was interesting: they completely reworked the UI. 
the bottom of the screen is empty when they were showing the actual gameplay and playthrough versus every other version of the game that they've released where there's a lot of clutter down there. They've moved everything into very small, easy to view at a glance items. Even the mini map, which is now a directional bar towards the top. You can open up a full map if you want to, but uh, it's just a directional thing at the top. Your health bars, and all your other stuff are all minimal. And so it's trying to give you more of a cinematic experience versus reminding you that this is a game with stats and shit you have to worry about. The inventory UI has been completely reworked. That looks absolutely gorgeous. And one of the things I like about this is the time frame that it happens. It's happening at the height of the Egyptian Empire, where gods are supposed to be walking the earth and magic is supposed to be a thing. The pyramids have already been built. Uh, society is at its high point, and this is everything before the fall. And I'm really okay with that. The other thing I'm okay with is that setting means that your main character is a POC. And that's something that I really enjoy in games because I'm not just a white boy. (laughs) So like in that, that was kind of important to me because it was, it was something that it was that character has is doing this because he has a sense of honor. He has a sense of duty. He has, and they were talking about this, that, that his motivations are for his people, not, because he just wants to be Billy Badass. But everything I'm seeing about this so far looks absolutely phenomenal. And I'm excited. I'm legitimately excited. And again, we, I know we've talked about this before, and I'm sure you'll talk about Hoverbird and Magic Missile. Uh, but I'm kind of okay with that in the context <laughs> of this is a land where magic is supposed to exist. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not supposed to exist. They're going to make it exist. <laughs> no, I was I mean, all right. But that's with, the whole point of that time frame in history is that there was supposed to be this whole culture steeped in mysticism. Yeah, but that doesn't like, mean that it thing. actually existed. It means that they were steeped in it and they wanted to pretend. But there's no actually actual magic that happened back then. So let people enjoy things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was going to let you have your hoverbird, but the fucking heat seeking arrow. That's one I can't let you have. I can can honestly (laughs) forgive it, considering the fact that I've played so many video games in which that's been just a thing for years in like every MMO that's ever been played ever, uh, that it's, that's such a small transgression. I don't care. I'm okay with this. (laughs) Bell, what about you? What do you think of the game? It looks really cool. Um, I have bounced so hard off of every Assassin's Creed game that I've tried to play, uh, mostly because I'm not a huge fan of stealthy type games. But this one looks interesting because it looks more open worldy. Uh, almost to some extent, felt like the kind of world that you'd have in a fall, uh, in, like a Far Cry game. Um, and I'm hoping that that makes it maybe more sticky for me. Um, the setting's awesome. Like, I love yeah. ancient Egypt as a setting. Um, but I'm hoping, like, it, it will be the finally the, the Assassin's Creed that gets me into the series. There really aren't enough games in that time period. I mean, well-done games in that time there period. There haven't been in a long time, no. So, and it, again, it's a spectacular era in, in, in mankind. And because there's so little known about it as well, it does give you liberties to do... Some things, magic being a little above the bar of what should be allowed, but that's fine, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So moving on, they also talked about uh, Metro Exodus. That looks so gorgeous. (laughs) Oh my God. I loved the original Metro game and then 
last was it last light was the second one yes um they're great like they're 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 russian fallout (laughs) they just suffered from that weird dlc like d well i shouldn't say dlc that weird drm locking exclusive content thing that they tried to do to make people not pirate it yeah well and 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 hopefully they they can fix some of the weird ui elements that metro had it 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 felt like it should have been as smooth as like i hate to say that a bethesda game was smooth but like the ui interaction never felt as clean as say fallout uh, but it was it was great and it was interesting and it was gorgeous and it was an interesting take on that post-apoc genre and the new game looks so great. The only thing that, that kind of got me a little bit was just how scripted the demo felt. Yeah. I mean, it was like very much on a rail and I'm hoping that that's not the case for the actual game. I'm hoping it's a nice you know, fairly open area and we can roam around and check nooks and crannies for stuff. But it was gorgeous. One of the things I'm interested in with it, though, is is the concept or or how important the above ground train is going to be, because in the last couple of years in cinema, there has been a series of movies that revolve around this concept of humanity surviving on trains, uh, Snowpiercer, a movie that nobody ever watched, that is oh, absolutely amazing. Is so hey, we covered that on Bob yeah, and Ronan. <laughs> okay, you guys are an exception. <laughs> trust me, because I, I mentioned Snowpiercer to people outside of the podcast, and they're like, "What?" Um, but you have that. You have uh, what is it? The train for Busan. Train to percent. Um, no, you don't want to be on that motherfucker. You're not going to survive no. that ride. <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying, like, but there, there's been a lot of stuff that, and uh, there was another one with. Um, uh, Bradley Cooper uh, meet what is a meat train yeah meat train where it's a suspense horror type of game um, but or movie excuse me but these things translate well into this type of environment and I'm very very curious how this is going to work out here because we see the above ground devastation we see this absolute gorgeous setting we see the the pseudoscience that they have to put in place in order to make shit work and then we see the running for the train and then that's the end of it I want to know how important that is. I want to know how much of it's going to center around that. And because it's interesting opportunity for video game cinematography, it's interesting opportunity for um, a weird, not really done before story element in gaming, at least not that I can remember. So I'm, 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 I'm on board. And I loved, I like, like Bell said, I absolutely adored the first games. Okay. Let's move on from there now and jump into Bethesda. Joe, go ahead. Oh, Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. Um, So one thing, and I don't know how excited you are about this, Roger, but they did announce uh, that Fallout 4 VR is coming in October of this year and that Doom is getting a VR game. I'm kind of curious how Doom's going to work because that's sort of an action-oriented VR game. I don't know how movement's going to work in that one. They're doing teleportation. You could see it when they were um, when they were doing the demos and when they were showing it. For Fallout, you're going to be moving same as a normal. So essentially, you're either going to use a directional um, pad on the controller or on one of the move controllers and move that way. Uh, if you're using the move controllers, depending on how they mapped it and depending on combat as well, it may be almost immediately nausea-inducing. 
the potential is there, I, I feel. And then you have Doom, however, which is a lot faster in terms of how fast things are coming at you to kill you and eat your fucking face. Mm -hmm. But you saw that as the player was jumping around, even they would point in one direction and you'd see that curved arrow and then they would teleport to that spot. And that's something that different games do now in order to make it so that the majority of people will not get nauseous at all. They don't even give you the option of moving you, or I should say moving by traditional means in an RPG where you just press up or down kind of thing. So here you actually have to teleport to the different locations and that makes it so that there's like next to no nausea. And I've done both of those and it's true. Like the, the teleportation works way, way better. And it's a cheat. It's a cheat that you know immediately that they're doing so that you're not going to get nauseous, but it doesn't take you out of the experience simply because you're in the experience. So you have that going for you that they can do little cheats like that and it doesn't take you out. And so then the impression that I got watching the demo of Doom was that you're going to be doing a lot of that, the moving around. So you're going to get have to get pretty damn good at that teleportation. And then the rest is going to be somewhat more on rails, I think, than what you would experience in the game on a console or, or PC kind of thing. So that you would be it would be a lot more twitch and a lot more of a ton of shit coming at you from everywhere. But this is going to, I feel, probably going to have to be a lot more moderated because whereas on a console, let's say, or I shouldn't say console, if you're playing the regular game out of VR, you can have 50 demons coming after you. And if you have the right gun, it'll be challenging, but you'll mow those motherfuckers down and you'll have a lot of fun doing it. And it was challenging. The level of difficulty doesn't scale the same way. It's not the same. So in VR, you might have five guys come after you and it's very challenging and you got out of it and you still feel like a badass for just five versus 50, but it was so much more challenging that you're like, this was awesome. So that's, and I've seen, I've seen that in different VR stuff too, where too much is like, no, this is it's too much. It doesn't work. Just a few was enough that had me shit in my pants, frantic to try to kill them all. So I think that's probably what they're doing with Doom. I really hope so. I think the only way that it's really going to work is if they kind of do that House of the Dead thing. If you remember that game or played much of it to where you kind of progressed along a, a certain path, but there were moments where you're you're still for a bit and then you're fighting a bunch of stuff and then you progress on to the next area and you fight a bunch of stuff and keep as you go through the map and that's maybe what those those warp points are for is yeah. to move you to the next volley of people possibly put it to you this way I, and this is surprising for me because of the few games that I've had that that were nausea inducing I and and how much I well I love both IPs but I I definitely prefer Fallout obviously but I would rather play Doom than Fallout of the two. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I just like the Doom IP more between the two of them if it boils down to it. But yeah, that may just be because I'm a horror junkie. Probably as well. Yeah, it's a, a, a fantastic game too. So it it is. It absolutely so, is. Yeah. From there, there there is some stuff that revolves around yet again Skyrim because apparently we can never let Skyrim go, even though it's been years at this point. 
Bethesda is, and this this is a weird move to me. They announced the Creation Club, which is going to bring paid mods to their games. Mods in Bethesda games have been a thing forever. Don't get me wrong. I love Thomas the Tank Engine in Skyrim because I think it's fucking hilarious. Do I want to spend, like, money at Bethesda stuff to get that mod? Probably not. But they're trying to get a system together where mod creators uh, submit things to an official Bethesda mod center as opposed to the free one that they have up on the site right now where you as a player have to buy credits through Bethesda to buy the mod. That's I. It's I confusing like it. to me because I've heard conflicting things. They're saying it's not going to cost you any actual money, but then when you watch the video, they're not spending actual money. They're spending tokens you, and you have to buy the tokens. You have to buy the tokens. And you buy the tokens Bethesda. with real money. So you're exactly. spending real money on mods. So that made no sense to me. Well, and the thing is, in, in, in uh, I'm sorry, Bells, I just want to add this in. This is not the first time that they've tried to do paid mods. And the first time failed spectacularly. So they're trying to do essentially the same thing again, just obfuscated to try to sneak it past players. And it's dumb. I think the thing that I keep hearing is that, that what they're targeting for Creator Club is like smaller things like you want a cool looking sword. So you'll get the sword in game or you want a cool piece of armor. So you get the armor in game and not quite the the total mod thing that uh, that they normally have in their games. And, and even the mod support that they have inside of the game is super limited as well, because those builders are limited to the, the the textures that they can use and the sounds that they can use. So there's still always going to be a realm for the people that go to the mod sites and, and download them that allow them to, to be a Warhammer 40 K space Marine in Skyrim, <laughs> because they're never going to allow that through an official system because they can't for legal reasons. So sure. No, and I, and I I understand that, but there's also like I don't know how much you like do with like Nexus mods and and look at what their top mods and stuff are. It's you know new followers or habitation mods. Uh, there has been a series of of very highly rated mods that are are basically essentially DLC content, uh, massive in scope with massive quests added to the Skyrim framework. And in many cases, better than the actual stuff that Bethesda has released officially for the game. Uh, their HD mod texture pack was better than the HD release of Skyrim. Like the texture quality was infinitely better in the free mod that you could download from the Nexus. It, so it's interesting because I think uh, it almost feels like they're trying to entice those mod makers like uh, Elsianora, who makes a ton of habitat mods for uh, Fallout and Skyrim, uh, some of the the best stuff I've ever seen environmentally. Like they're trying to get them to come over to their side, so to speak, to monetize them. That's what it feels like to me. Well, but I don't know if it'll ever really work that way. Simply because I I don't know how much you've played with the Skyrim Enhanced Edition, but it has the built-in console-style mod support, and none of those mods that you're talking about are available through it. Right. They're all really rudimentary things. And I think because they, they drilled home the point during the Bethesda presentation that all of these would be non-breaking to existing content. So that kind of tells me that you're going to be limited in the in what you can put in a mod. 
and and especially limited in scope, so it can't really affect things at a deep level. So I I don't think the the Nexus mods are ever really going to go away because I don't think they'll ever be supported by Bethesda fully, not in an official way. I, uh, it's one of those things where I think only time will tell because right, right now we're we're in that speculation phase, and I could easily see it going either way, and that also sort of scares me because it's one of those things where I wish they would have defined it a lot better than they have. And I'm not sure that they understand what they want to do with it, if that makes sense. But moving along from that, uh, we also had what I felt was probably one of the coolest announces uh, of their entire presentation, which was a new dishonored game. You skipped over the the card game. game, you bastard. I, there was a card game before that, and you skipped right over it, motherfucker. Oh, I'm sorry. We were supposed to go in chronological order, not the things that we found interesting. I'm sorry. Yes, because some of your other the, the other people might find something interesting and want to talk about it in in between two. St- you skipped over it because it's cards, Eef. motherfucker. You, you, you mean we're going to talk about you know Hearthstone with Raging River from Magic the Gathering? Correct. I was not going to do that. But hey, Roger, why don't you go ahead and take it? Since no, you, you know you what? Very, Fine. You, you Fine. feel very strongly about Fine. this. I like Legends. It's a very good card game, actually. If you're not playing it, you should try it. It's free. You can buy packs if you want, but you can also just do the quests and whatnot. And even the the, the quests that come default for free is actually going to take you a number of hours and is a lot of fun. And they announced their their first next, their first, it doesn't really count as expansions. It's just the next set of cards for them. And they're doing, and this is why I thought you were going to bring it up to bitch because it's more Skyrim. So it's going to be heroes of Skyrim. <laughs> right. So, which is, I was just ignoring it because I'm tired of Skyrim. <laughs> yes, but this is in card format. It's different. It doesn't matter. It's still Skyrim. It's di- that's yeah. But the fuck, they, they, they're putting Morrowind inside of, the Elder Scrolls Online, and people are really happy about that because Morrowind was awesome. So it's well, yes, because it was, it was Morrowind. Were and I and I had this discussion. Those games were way more RPG than Skyrim ever was. Well, anyways, this is cool, and what I, and we don't even need to go into it. What what's important though is that the game is all they already know. We need to keep making sets constantly it's the same thing as hex has been doing constantly making new sets because that's what a card game has to do none of this just once a year or whatever no you need to put out sets all the time which means a lot of tinkering around to make sure that everything continues to work as it it needs to and and whatnot so i'm looking forward to seeing the new cards in this actually it's a good game, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, are you happy? Can I move on to the game? What the fuck that you mean? I'm am I happy? For? I had to bring it up because you wouldn't, you bastard. Are you happy? No, I'm not. But you can. Okay, keep moving going. on. <laughs> so yes, Dishonored is getting a brand new adventure in September. It's a standalone adventure that stars a very interestingly augmented Billy Lurk, and apparently Dowd as well. It looks like a two-part DLC, uh, very similar to what we got from the first Dishonored with the Knife of Dunwall stuff. I'm super fucking intrigued. 
not mostly because in my playthrough of Dishonored, I murdered the shit out of Billy when I found out what what Billy did. But in this one, it looks like Billy got augmented by the Tinkerer, has mystic abilities on top of that, and Dowd isn't dead. So I have, and the whole purpose of them getting together and the whole purpose of this, they're going to kill the outsider because everything bad that has happened in the world, they believe is the result of the outsider. That is a phenomenal story hook for a game and setting that I absolutely love. And well, a character that was definitely intriguing, especially in Dishonored 2. I don't know, Roger, if you've actually played through it or or Bells, if you've played through it yet at all. Yeah, I haven't had a chance yet. The story revolving around like Billy and everything else in that world, like there's so much deeper mysticism and lore than I had expected, even from the first game. The thing that I thought was most interesting about this reveal is especially what I found out after the fact that this isn't a DLC. It's a standalone game. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's probably a good choice to where you just sell the new game. And in much the same way that like Wolfenstein, the old blood was this pretty short, cheapish game, but it was fun and you didn't have to have the original to play it. And and I think that's a smart thing to do for them, because, uh, again, massive DLCs go one of two ways. Either they're really, really good or they're cost prohibitive and nobody plays them uh, or they're really, really bad, but they're still cost prohibitive and nobody plays them or they're really, really good. And some people just spend a ton of money on them. I'm one of those people. Sadly, I would have thrown money at this as a DLC. Wouldn't have even batted an eye, but it open it continues to open up your world in your games to new players because it's a catch-up point. If you don't have to spend 40 bucks on the previous game and then another 20 or $30 on the actual DLC itself, and said you just pay the $40 or $50 or $60 on a brand new game altogether, it's cheaper and better. But I, I'm really, really fucking intrigued story-wise. I really want to know where they're going with this. What? I really like the fact that basically we have two sides to this world that we're constantly progressing. Apparently we have the Corvo and Emily side, and then we have the Dowd and his associates side. And I keep thinking they're going to constantly keep bashing into each other over time. And, and you're seeing both sides evolve equally, which is interesting. And what, what's super interesting as well, and I don't want to spoil too much for Roger because I really would love for him to play the game, um, but the points where the two collide are super intriguing, uh, not just because of the fact that they, they seem at odds with each other, but each time that they've interacted or each time that the, those two sides sort of interweave, you learn so much more about every aspect of what you perceive happened to begin with. And that's such a huge theme in, in Dishonored 2 uh, that I hope is continued in this one because it was one of those intriguing moments where I'm playing it, I'm playing it, I'm playing it. And the twists and turns had me to the point where I didn't realize like hours had passed from me booting up the game, which is a very good sign. Roger, anything to add to that? No, actually, no. You, no, I was being quiet because I figured you'd keep going. I, I haven't played it, so I don't have anything to add. I'm the, the, the only reason I haven't yet is because I'm quite literally, well, I am busy with other games, fucking Destiny, but also I'm debating whether I want to do another playthrough of Dishonored and and then move directly into two. 
or because again, my playtime is limited. So I don't know if I want to waste that time. I know it's not wasted, but wasted time with the first one or just jump into the second one. And right now I'm leaning towards just screw it. Just jump into the second one. I, I would say jump into the second one. You're not going to miss a whole lot. Yeah. Like, well, I did everything in one anyways. Like the experience of one is phenomenal, but Dishonored 2 does an incredible job of bridging the gap between the two so players don't feel like they have to play the first one to understand what's going on and feel important. Do you get to decide at the beginning if it was a good or a bad Emily ending that that you Uh, would have gotten from one? Kind of, sort of. They sort of... They give you a generic seed, I guess would be the best way to put it, and then you sort of develop it as you go. Okay. Yeah, I th- you know what? I think I'm probably just going to jump into it. Cause at this I think point, kind of the too. canon is low chaos. All right. That, at least that's what it felt like in Dishonored 2. Is the, the kind of the canon was that it was a low chaos run during yeah. Dishonored 1. Yeah, and, they, and what they did is they, um, from my understanding, they chose the starting point based off of player data. And what most players chose. Mine was not low chaos. Was I am no super thankful chaos that all my the second playthrough was low chaos. <laughs> hey, Dishonored has the the very, very esteemed uh, note of being the only game in my entire gaming history that I've ever successfully completed without killing anybody. I call it my anti-Vince rung. Oh, man. No, everyone died. Everyone died the first time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> moving on. Moving moving along, though, from there, we also got uh, the announcement of The Evil Within 2, which is set to release on Friday the 13th of October. Uh, that is oddly, oddly appropriate for this type of game where it is going to fuck with you in weird, weird ways, especially with undead milk? Question mark? Yeah, I've never been so frightened of milk. it's the trailer does a fantastic job of literally letting you know nothing of what the fuck is going on. Uh, And I'm kind of okay with that because it's creepy and unsettling in a way that I don't know how this ties in with the first game. Cause at this point, apparently you are, it has something to do with your kid and it has something to do with what happened after your first investigation. But it's so weird and so out there and I loved the first game and I hope this one just completely fucks with players. Also one thing of note, it does appear that the gameplay uh, is going to be more actiony and less slow, like less resident evil esque, like the first one was. And I think that's okay for this particular genre, like this particular type of game because the first one was slow. It was a slow burn. We've moved on past the whole Resident Evil, Silent Hill era of these games, and and really, they a lot of a lot of the reasons behind Resident Evil and Silent Hill were just the general low fidelity of the systems that they were on. So it's time to bring them up to modern standards. Yeah, and you can do and you can do things with those as well. And and I've said this before, you don't necessarily have to make the combat monkey games that were like Resident Evil Five. You can do a good fast paced game or fast-ish pace game and still have that capture of terror uh, that is necessary for it. Resident Evil 7 actually does a, a very good job of that. Um, so I'm hoping that they kind of follow suit with this and they sort of uh, take that to heart at the core of the creation of this game. I didn't play the first one, actually. And so 
I, I was looking at this with fresh eyes and sure a lot of it was kind of like, what the fuck is happening? But I figure uh, it's probably not that it's tied to the first one so much as it'll be explained as you're going along. So it just looked like a pretty generic yet fun horror game. I'm all about that. Now, one that I am also all about is Wolfenstein to the new Colossus. Oh my God. I am so <laughs> ready for this. My body is ready. Uh, it looks phenomenal it is it is i don't want to call it red dawn because it doesn't involve the russians it involves germany and the nazis having successfully taken over america holy shit the like and and the presentation the start of the presentation was all of these tv commercials and like tv shows of the old school like lassie instead of it's except instead of lassie Liesel, and it was a giant fire-breathing German murder mech. It was amazing. And I love the pack-in for the the collector's edition as well, that it's like basically a G.I. Joe-style action figure. But uh, what what, what is it, Billy something? (laughs) Terror Billy? Yes. Terror Billy, yep. It looks awesome, too. But see, I saw this, and we already knew what was going to be coming up for Far Cry 5, which to me is kind of the pinnacle of the what if shit went real bad uh, it's a I, different type of well, we'll talk about that later but oh, there's yeah, a different yeah. cadence to that cane than this yeah, one but no this looks phenomenal too yeah and also i mean and let's be honest i'm all about game where i get to punch shoot stab burn or destroy nazis in any way shape or form and bj blaskowitz you're my man let's go do some damage and that was it for bethesda i believe right I think that that was off with note. Uh, I don't believe they really mentioned anything else. Okay. We are actually going to split the episode at this point because we are not even close to done. We've got a lot more to go, but we're going to put this as part one. Part two is going to be up later on, and you can download that as well. And we are going to have Bell because we're literally taking a pee break, and then we're going to start back again. So with that, make sure to go to ForTheLore.com, get the next episode, and we'll start then. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. I thought that I was in heaven, but I was sure surprised. Heaven help me, I didn't see the devil.